Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clicquot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. You promised you would take the kids to the zoo today. When are you going to mow the lawn? Your parents are coming over and you're not even dressed. You promised you were going to leave your wife for me. Don't let this happen to you. Everybody's working for the weekend, but your family and friends are always ruining your days off. Introducing football season. The best way to drown out the ones you love. Watch grown men run into each other head first. Marvel as overweight men chase a bouncing ball. Let the gladiators of today help you disconnect from the worries of the modern world. Get your 2018 college and pro football seasons today and we'll throw in the Sinner and the Saints tailgate show. Presented by Frost Brood Coors Light for free. That's right, you'll get two football leagues. Luke Anderson. If you were at the gym and you saw Myers Leonard pull up in a Prius, met him at the swimming pool, but you didn't ever have a chance to talk to him because he kind of dismisses of you would you leave your name and number in his uh, windshield will darkens like, i want to see more of the man bag the alligator skin man and bag. two hours you'll never get back every saturday morning for one low price just turn your dial to 1080 the fan hey, hey, hey happy saturday morning if you're a coog, you're feeling good. The Pac-12 is on a roll. They are now one and two in bowl games. Wow. Pretty good growl there. Yeah, that was the soundboard. No, that, that wasn't was even me. Not. That was your uh, your pretty mouth. No, that, that was the soundboard. Well done, sir. Gardner Minshew leads the Washington State Cougars to pass the Iowa State Cyclones with the help of a couple of ejections with no help from some high-stepping, a catch with a crotch. I mean, it was quite the football game, and the Cougs tried to Coug it, but they could not. They were pretty damn close to Cougan the thing, and Man. I was laughing. I was over at Salvador Molly's watching the game because we were having dinner with my in-laws. And, uh, have, uh, do you have any great balls of fire while you were over there? Uh, no, I didn't have the great balls of fire because I didn't want to get diarrhea in the car when <laughs> I uh, drove them to the airport. You can also vomit immediately from eating Yes, so you don't have to wait for the diarrhea. And my father-in-law did that thing where he was like, "Oh, well, why don't you eat them?" And I was like, "Well, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, they're really, really hot, and they like, kind of mess your stomach up." And he's like, "Oh yeah, but it's a challenge. You might want to do it." And I was like, "No, dude, I'm serious. Like, you don't want me to do that." Yeah, did he do it? Uh, no, he didn't do it. Yeah, why didn't you tell his, you know, because he's jockey father-in-law? Like, yeah, I know, but go, hey, if you're a tough guy, you do it, I'll do it. And then he's on an airplane somewhere over over the country, the Midwest, and just running back to an airplane. Text him before takeoff. Yeah. How's that stomach feeling? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Guy. <laughs> and then at the wedding, you guys have like a really contentious moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's not funny. No. I did throw out a perfectly good pair of $8 khakis. So you were watching Washington State, Iowa State, and Salvador Molly. Yeah, I, uh, I switched seats with Megan, my fiance, and then I uh, got to watch the TV, and I was watching part of that game. And I got to tell you, man, out from the onset, it was like, well, they were up something with 21 to 7. And I was At like, half, oh, yeah. dude, Cougs are going to reverse Coug it. Like, yeah. they're going to just spank the crap out of this team. But they just fell back into that lull again. And Man, that third quarter was 
bad. Yeah, it was scary. And they're, it lucky, was like, they, they're, lucky they, they're lucky they held Iowa State to field goals and didn't allow touchdowns because it really looked like they were. They were moving the ball in big chunks. Uh, but they, their defense stepped up and stopped a two-point conversion at the end. They made a big third-down throw, back shoulder, catching it between the legs, falling backwards. Uh, Gardner Minshew's big play of the second half was a little uh, forward foot pass mm. uh, that ended up being huge on another third down opportunity. But they went, I think they went three and out three or four times in a row in the third and start of the fourth quarter. And yeah, it looked like they were going to choke that game away. But hey, it's a win. Uh, first time in program history, the Washington, Washington State Cougars had 11 wins. That's huge. That's enormous. It's kind of big. It's big. They didn't beat Washington. It's sort of big. You didn't win the Apple Cup. You didn't go to the Rose Bowl like everybody kind of hoped you would. But sure. you are who we thought you were, which, no, which really at no, the end no, of the season. But I think that's, I think that's untrue. We talked with a, a friend of mine and a, a sports director for a station down in Texas. He came up, big Coug fan, graduated there. He was saying that he looked at the schedule preseason and said, I don't see six wins. They were wondering if they were going to make a bowl game. And Mike Leach was had the verbal agreement to be gone. Bill Moose goes to Nebraska. You have the the tragic Tyler Holinsky situation. And you bring in this kid as a fifth-year grad transfer, which if you're an Oregon fan, you've seen it. Sometimes it works okay with Vernon Adams. Sometimes it's a disaster with Dakota Prukop. And, you know, you, you take one opportunity on this kid. You've got one chance. He shows up to a pool party in a jock strap. And that's where it starts. And the mustache uh, that Minshew was wearing was was a little magic for him. Eleven wins is huge. I, I realize that it's marred by playing in an Alamo Bowl and it's it's losing to Washington in a snowstorm, but that's a pretty great season for a team that shouldn't have won anything. Well, let me explain a little bit about the they are who we thought they were thing. Fire is away. that yes, at the beginning of the season they were nowhere near what we thought they were or what they would be. But as the season went on and you saw their type of play, because I was starting to realize this as I watched the third quarter, and I was like, oh yeah, this is kind of what they've done all season, <laughs> which is they'll jump out to a really huge lead. And they won't really either sustain, well, they kind of sustain it. They get themselves out with a win, either that or they were just so overwhelming with points at the beginning of the game that, like, you really can't get yourself out of that hole. The only time I ever saw them come out in the second half and really put a nail in it was the Oregon game. Mm. Uh, and it was about to happen, too. You you were kind of seeing Oregon start to fight back. Herbert had those two touchdowns late in the third quarter, and they just kind of started to score again. But I mean, this is encouraging signs for the Cougs going forward. It, it sucks you had the seventh-best recruiting class in the Pac-12 this time around. But, I mean, that's Mike Leach. Who cares? I mean, yeah. he finds diamonds in the rough. It's hard to get dudes into Pullman. He has a system. He has a scheme. When will that scheme break through? That's the question. Yeah, well, I know we talked about it with Nemec about the uh, Oregon State recruiting class, and they had four grad transfers. Now, grad transfers don't affect the recruiting class. So I don't know what they have coming in for Washington state, but I'll tell you, man, the story around the country that is the big one that gets all the headlines is Mike Leach, uh, you know, going out and recruiting Gardner Minshew to come. So those that don't know Gardner Minshew agreed to be a backup quarterback for Alabama to be a grad assistant coach. Cause that's what he wants to do after he finishes playing football. He was going to go to Alabama and and get tutelage under Nick Saban, dude. Uh, that's a, that guy is my spirit animal. Like that, <laughs> that is, you? Oh my god! Yeah. How awesome of a job is that? That you get to do the grad assistant program, learn under uh, Nick Saban, and then you get to go coach with all these different teams. Yeah, but what after happens, you get out? But what happens is Mike Leach calls him up and goes, "Hey, how would you like to lead the nation in passing?" Yeah, and and everybody drops off the second half of the the quote from Mike Leach, which is. 
That's what I tell every quarterback. But, dude, if you're a fifth-year senior and you've got eligibility and you want to go and, you know, put yourself in a Heisman race, dude was fifth in Heisman voting. And he was, you know, he was done. He was going to go and just accept his fate, be a backup, move on with his playing days, and just kind of hang out in a program that was going to get him ready to be a great coach. And instead, he went and did. He led the nation in passing. He now holds the Pac-12 record for passing yards in a season. He beat Jared Goff last year. Well, so now we, we, we have two kind of uncertain futures that, to me, are kind of scary. Okay. First. I'm terrified. Are about you? About what you're going to say. You yeah. sound terrified. If they're scary, yeah. The first one is, what does Mike Leach do to replace Gardner Menchum? And it's going to be difficult because this uh, this guy has been a program-altering presence for them. Sure. I mean, he put them on the national scene. He really did. And I'm not just saying that through his play, his ability to lead the, na- uh, the nation in passing. It was that he had this personality everybody related to. When game day came down to Pullman, you saw fans in the background wearing those fake stashes or, you know, people putting stashes on uh, pictures of Mike Leach on posters. So, you know, he was such a huge presence. How do you replace that and stay relevant as you go forward? So that's kind of a scary scenario. The next one is, do we really want to see Gardner Minshew in the NFL? Because <laughs> I don't know how good he'll be in the NFL. I know that a lot of people are kind of pointing towards Baker Mayfield and saying like, well, hey, look look at Mayfield. Mayfield did it. He's a short quarterback. They have some of the same kind of, uh, you know, mannerisms. They have some of the same measurables in terms of height and size and everything. But that leadership. That leadership. People want to play for him. But at the same time, what Lincoln Riley was doing at Oklahoma is so much different than what Mike sure. Leach does. Your guy, Ryan, who came in when we were uh, hosting for Dusty and Cam yesterday, he was saying, dude, Leach has got like eight plays in the playbook. <laughs> yep. That's it. He just filters through, and it's about execution. Yep. Well, but, I mean, yeah, we haven't really seen somebody come out of Mike Leach's system and be super successful in the NFL or successful in the NFL, super successful. So. No. <laughs> way, way oversell. But what about yeah. Ryan Leach? Or uh, Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf was not in Mike Leach's system. He wasn't? No, no, no. Pretty no. sure he was. <laughs> Pretty sure you're uh, wrong about that. <laughs> um, but but the thing is, it's like, you know, whatever the future holds for Gardner Minshew, he's still in the record books. You know what I mean? If you're, yeah. if, if, what Gardner Minshew did for this program, in in my mind, if if Washington State plays it correctly, is you go out and you sell his story to kids. And right now, there's a bunch of people out there that have, haven't decided where they're going, and they don't need to be big names. Let's go. Hey, listen. Right now, you're invisible. You don't have you know a big college football future. You've got one year left. You've you've played in the system. How would you like to come out and lead the nation in passing? And I think that that's a very appealing to a lot of kids that their college careers did not go the way that they expected to. There's there's five-star transfers every single year at the quarterback position across college football. Gardner Minshew certainly wasn't one of those guys. Can they get a bigger name that was, you know, highly touted coming out of high school that got stuck behind a superstar? Somebody that went out and, you know, thought they were going to be the man and just got, you know, uh, an early injury or something and never saw the field. Is there a guy out there that wants to replicate the story that believes they can be Gardner Minshew? And I think that's what he's done for the program. Well, and I think also Gardner Minshew is the best of what we all would have hoped for our college football careers, you know? Yeah. Like, like we got all this glory. We have extreme adulation from our fan base and from our school. And it's almost like if I'm him, like, do I really want to get drafted in the fifth? Six. I know there's projections for the third round, but let's be real. That quarterback class is dry as a bone, and most NFL teams right now are pretty set at quarterback. You can think of maybe two or three teams that would 
be in desperate need where you actually draft in the first round. Jags is one of them. Tampa Bay potentially could be at this Should point. Be, I would think. Um, but, you know, like if you're Gardner Minshew, man, I, I almost pick up my cards and run. I say, oh, man, I, I finished out my college football career being, you know, one of the seminal parts of a program. History forward, I'll be remembered as one of the greater quarterbacks in program history. Why don't I just call it a career? Well, look at Charlie. Because he could go still do yeah. his thing, right? Yep. He can still go be a grad transfer at a school. Hell, he could stay there if he wanted to. If I if I could pick my favorite Heisman Trophy winner, and this uh, is what I would tell Kyler Murray as well, dude, be Charlie Ward. Be be a great be, be a great college football player. Yeah. And, and then and then cash in your chips where you're gonna make the most. I mean, he was he was an okay NBA player, but he had a longer career in basketball than he would have in football. And just look back on your and go, hey man, I was great college football player, and that was enough for me instead of going and laboring in the NFL. And you've talked about with some of the guys that you played with at Oregon State that went on the NFL. College football is fun. The NFL is a job, and it's yeah. a hard job. And you're only going to get a couple opportunities to get out and actually play. Other than that, you can get beat up for a very long time. You go play baseball if you're Kyler Murray. Baseball's fun. Like, I mean, I know you complain, and a lot of people that hate baseball complain that there's too many games. Dude, you don't practice. You go and have BP, and then you play baseball for a living. Baseball but, is a blast. But I think go. with I think with Kyler Murray, what you're kind of missing is is that you have this guy who has to make a decision of do I want the instant gratification of what the NFL can bring me because you probably will be a first round pick. Mm, you will. I, I, I can he's see five it. nine. I mean, I know. That, I know, man, I, I know Baker I, Mayfield's short, but the not talent, five nine. The talent is there, and I uh. think people will take a chance on him. I think you could be a first round pick and get some money now. Sure. I think in baseball, Dude, you he's already, got a nine million dollar or whatever it is, four million dollar signing contract from, I, from the A's. I understand that, but you know that guy's not going to get into the rotation early with the A's. He's no, gonna no, go to he'll farm be leagues. he'll be twenty three, twenty four before. Yeah, he, he, he's going to yeah. go for a while in Could some be. lower leagues, and he'll probably get bounced around. I mean, I don't know how great of a baseball player he really is, and maybe he will turn out to be incredibly good, and then he'll just kind of stay in rotations and get massive contracts. But most of the time, with baseball players. It's the long game, right? You're not getting the instant gratification. You play it out. You do get your money in the end, but it's kind of like you're saying. Very easy to have a 10-year career in that. Yeah, we we looked at this the other day, and the average salary for a Major League Baseball player is somewhere close to triple of the average for a uh, for an NFL player. The the lifespan is is the shortest of any of the major sports. You're looking at three and a half years if you go into the NFL. Just playing the averages. And I realize that quarterback is a unique position where there's more and more rules protecting the quarterbacks. But it's also one of the tougher spots to get into. We see guys fail at it all the time. And Major League Baseball, when you're making, on average, a 10-year career and you're making you know a few million dollars a year, that's a pretty good life. But, hey... I, it's not our decision to make because we don't. I don't have anywhere near the talent of any of these guys. Which Heisman winner would you have wanted to have been? Charlie Ward. Hold I, on. I love that. I'm going to give you a choice here. Okay. Would you have rather been Tim Tebow okay. or Troy Smith? I would take Tebow. Would you? Yeah, you won two national championships. Boy, he, but you have all that baggage with you. Yeah, I, I get that. But, I mean, the guy the guy has enough talent that, I mean, like, like I said, he's playing baseball right now, and he's a broadcaster. He's still working for the SEC Network. Again, I think if you look at it and you go, man, I've got all these options, realize how great it is. I know that playing in the NFL is one of those things. If you're one of those 32 quarterbacks, there are a few things in sports that are as admired by fans 
But I, I don't know. I, I think it's cool to have options. I, I think mean, if look you're at a guy, Troy Smith, though, right? You yeah. get to be a guy who won a Heisman Trophy, and you probably no, you didn't win a national title, but yeah. you get to go back to Ohio State, and you are absolutely beloved, and you sure. have no negative connotations with you. Because Tebow, man, I mean, there's a whole portion of people that yeah. love Tebow, and then there's people who remember Tim Tebow from the Broncos. Uh, yeah, but if you have any idea what the reaction I get as a host of the Center and the Saint, <laughs> I'm okay with people not liking me. It's perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, Tebow. So people stop you and they go, "Oh my God, it's '80s Kurt Russell." And you go, <laughs> oh. "No, no, 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 it's uh, Luke Anderson, Center and Saint." Yeah, yeah, '80s Kurt Russell. Yeah, I remember you in the thing and all those sci-fi movies. Yeah, yeah, love overboard. <laughs> Great. Are you still married to Goalie Hahn? All right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk some national championship. We got the semifinal games for the college football playoff. We've got a great weekend of NFL. Uh, the Blazers Warriors part two tonight. Uh, we'll get to all of that and more. Center and Saint on 1080 The Fan. So I watched my first bowl game last night. It's officially bowl season. We can get rolling. I've dubbed it the now it can start from here on out. You haven't watched any of the others? No. Is there anything that you watched? I know you watched the Cheez-It Bowl, and you regret every moment of that that you watched. (laughs) Yeah, the Cheez-It Bowl was a mistake. So was the Las Vegas Bowl. I did watch the Camping World Bowl because it got interesting at some point until Syracuse started whooping on that ass. Yeah, but it was also West Virginia without their quarterback. Will Greer? Yeah, I think back-to-back years without Will Greer, too. Utah beat him last year. So, yeah, sorry, West Virginia without your star quarterback does not interest me at all. I mean, Will Greer kind of benefits, though, from the fact Justin Herbert's not coming out. I I, I still just think, like, I I mean, I can really confidently say and put enough money down that you will not see a quarterback go number one this next year. Oh, yeah. In the draft. That's without a doubt. Um, Who's in contention right now for the number one pick in the NFL draft? Cards. I know the uh, Cardinals. Cardinals, The Giants are kind of there. The Raiders are there. Now, you may have a possibility with the Raiders, but, you know, John Gruden's one of those screwy dudes where when he evaluates talent, it's, quote, unquote, his guys, right? He's not going to take the typical first pick. So maybe you will have somebody like Wilger go there, but... If it is the Cardinals, you know, they're set at quarterback. What you they need so. is, like, everything else. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, they need to, what they need to do is drop down to five because that's the other thing that's been a trend in the NFL draft is you see a lot of people moving up into that position. So you look at the Giants and Tampa Bay and where they're going to be at. You forget that week week 17 of the NFL is also the who can lose and get the number one yeah. overall pick because we'll find that out after this weekend. P1 Dustin chimed in on our uh, debate about uh, would you be which Heisman winner would you want to be, Tim Tebow or Troy Smith? He says, if I take the Tebow route, do I have to be big time team Jesus? Because that would be torture to have to not indulge in all the ladies throwing themselves at you. I totally agree with that. And I was actually going to bring that up, but we were way over on that segment and that whole opens up a whole can of worms. Uh, but yeah, no, I wouldn't, I would be me with Tebow's resume, right? I assume. So you would have your sex drive, but Tebow's body. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know what I could do with that body? His body and his body at work. Oh man. Let me tell you something. My yeah. pecs would be swinging everywhere. Yeah. Well, hey, he, he won a playoff uh, game in the NFL. He won two national championship. He's playing baseball. He's a broadcaster. He's pretty well respected in that. I mean, outside of the, you know, the, the, his personal life that people try to meddle in. He's doing pretty well. I never thought I would hear the day when you'd be a Tebow supporter. Uh, over Troy Smith? You, didn't you really are. Like, you're really yeah. like a gushing heart 
TiVo supporter. I like always you have, really, really I always have been. His slow motion run uh, in Jets training camp, the shirtless mm. slow motion run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you not fall in love with that? Oh, no. And then the time where he shaved the top of his head to look like a uh, monk, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's for the team. But you knew all the other players were like, yeah, we're just messing with this guy because yeah, screw him. You don't remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, he shaved the top that. of his head. Yeah. It's a lot easier to be a uh, Tebow homer when you only remember like a few moments from his career and I have to worry about all the dumb stuff that he did. I think it is a good point, though, because you can't like you would have to have that caveat that like if I become Tebow, like I want to live the life. Well, yeah, I, I well, don't want to. I don't want to live for God at that point. I want to <laughs> live like fast. I want to do what I want to do. Wait, aren't you the saint? Well, I am the saint, the saint of eating. <laughs> That's right. Now, that would be one thing. I would enjoy having Tebow's body because I could just pound the weights out, dude. Oh, you yeah. know, when he was at Florida, they had to tell him to quit bench pressing because he was getting close to 400, and they were like, you know that's ruining your throwing motion, right? Well, like it's shoulders... already terrible. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't like, that Gary Trent when he played for the Blazers? They told him to stop lifting weights because he couldn't put his arms over his head to shoot a layup. Yeah. But that happens uh, a fair amount of times. That would be you if you were a professional athlete. They'd be like, Will, you need to slow down. You're too jacked, bro. Yeah, it was more like, uh, hey, you're a 240-pound fullback. Uh, can you gain more weight? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you played a position that does not require skill. Just blunt, requires skill. Blunt force. Plenty of skill. Sure. Had to remember, like, three or four formations. I was on special teams, too. See, you don't understand. Yeah. Special teams was tough. So I don't normally do this, but I tried to go through statistics. Whoa. I know. Well, I'm, slow down. Let me tell you why. Okay. Trying to find a reason that these uh, semifinal games are going to be close. I'm trying to find some statistical anomaly that goes Notre Dame and Oklahoma keep it close, and these games come down to field goals. Are that's, you using current information like uh, I tried Clemson's to. D-line injuries? Yeah. Or? Well, you and I talked about that. What I was trying to do was look at strength of schedule and see if we could figure out any room oh. where, like, because it was Clemson played. What's their big win on their schedule? Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse, but that's only because they lost their freshman phenom quarterback in his first official start. Uh, they played close against A&M. That one? Yeah, and that was in A&M. Yeah. So I, I'll give them that. I mean, that's, you know, 12th man's hard. I sure. mean, it's really loud there. I, I mean, okay, I, I get what you're saying. You're, you're going by strength of schedule, and you're saying, oh, I was trying to, but here's, here's my problem. Clemson doesn't play anybody, but, dude, they won all their games, and they won them convincingly. Well, but they didn't. There's two games they didn't, the two that you just brought up. Sure. And then you look at Notre Dame. They won all their games. They didn't win them all convincingly, but they won most of them convincingly. But you just look at it and you go, okay, well, maybe those two teams are more evenly matched than we thought. But the funny thing is all morning, you know, on the drive-in throughout the, the, you know, the station, it plays the show that's on Daria Mel before us. There's a lot of people trying to convince themselves, I think, that Notre Dame has a real shot in this game, and I just don't see it. I just I know that they, they lost a, one of their best defensive linemen, but they've, they're like, oh, they're going to have to put in this four-star kid. <laughs> it's like, oh. I'm Damn it. <laughs> it's like uh, losing out on, uh, I mean, that was like for the Niners, right? Like, oh, damn it. Joe Montana's hurt. Yeah, well, throw Steve, Steve Young in there. Yeah. yeah. It's very well, it's 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 really a it, problem. It's like Alabama at quarterback. Yeah. They've done it with Tua and with Jalen Hurts now in the SEC championship this game, Tua gets hurt. They have to put in Jalen Hurts, who just rallies and leads the team back and looks like an actual pure passer. And then you have last year where they put in Tua Tagovailoa and he wins the national championship for him. And those are huge moments. So it's yeah, I, I just feel like it's gonna be Clemson, Alabama, and 
I guess I'm kind of okay with that. I don't have a rooting interest. Well, in why seeing... not? They're more evenly matched than they have been in the past two years. Well, this is what I'm saying. I don't see Oklahoma, Notre Dame being any more entertaining. And and I know that your big fear is having to watch Notre Dame, Alabama part yes. two. Yes. But I'm just trying to figure out how these games are going to be close. You know, I think an interesting thing about this whole uh, Tua Tunga Vailoa injury is that you know, think about it, right? He's all week been saying, I'm about 80, 85%. Well, yeah. you get closer and closer, and he says, yeah, I'll be ready to play. I'll be ready to play. If he was at the point where he could only play 80 to 85%, does that mean that Tua at 80% is better than Jalen Hurts at 100% <laughs> with yeah. improved throwing motion? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I it mean, is. that's the logic, right? Or... I, I guess, but I always feel like the, the reason that you have those guys out there is more because of their decision-making than anything else. Because we see it all the time where guys are running around chipped up out there playing, and, and we see that coaches are just like, no, this guy, even at less than, makes better decisions and, and is going to make the right play more often. Because I always think that's the the deciding factor for head coaches, especially at quarterback, it's not always this guy's got a bigger arm, this guy's got more skill or whatever it is. It's I think it's most of the time going, can I trust this guy more? And if if you trust him, then you put him in. But or Nick Saban's but again, case, are you going to win me a game? But again, well, but that's exactly it. But not making mistakes wins you a lot of football games. Uh, you know that's why we always look at the, the Says game Alex manager. Smith. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, he wins listen, games, just tr- not playoff Trent, games. Trent Dilfer's got a Super Bowl. Uh, hey, I'm just bringing it up. Sucks when you remind me of that. It definitely does. I don't know if we got our poll up, uh, but we do have an interesting question for uh, the. We'll text have line. to put that up. We'll put. We'll try to put that up now. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, we like I said, we have NFL playoff scenarios. We've also got NFL draft scenarios that we have to look at. Uh, we will take a look at both uh, semifinal games a little bit closer as the center and Saint continues. But first, I need to throw it to Will with your news update. Here's what I see when I look at the uh, the previews for the two college football playoff games. Clemson is still favored by 13. Alabama is a favorite by 14 points from Ben. Yeah. You know, I think everybody's resided themselves that they just want to see another repeat of Clemson, Alabama. I mean, really. You kind of do, don't you? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You almost think like an Oklahoma Notre Dame game might be pretty exciting. I just want to see Kyler Murray get far in the whole process because he's so exciting. He yeah. really is. That that Texas game, that Big 12 title game was really freaking awesome yep. to watch him play in. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I just hold out hope. I'm not like I said, you can look at all the stats that you want to. Oklahoma's got one of the worst defenses in college football, uh, which is unfortunate. They've got the best offense from a scoring standpoint in college football, but Alabama's got the number two scoring offense, I believe. So it's you know, it's it's a team that just has so much depth on uh, Alabama and Clemson's side. You just need a guy to go out and have a remarkable performance. So that's the cool thing about these semifinal games is if the games are good, it's because somebody like Kyler Murray goes nuts. It's Ian Book has the game of his life for Notre Dame. So you end up having those, but I think then you end up just running into a national title game because you can't expect both teams to go out and and win these games and get an Oklahoma-Notre Dame final, which, which I think would probably be a good game. What you're most likely to end up with is somebody playing out of their mind getting a all-time, all-time victory in the college football playoff and then getting housed in the championship game. Just the way I see it, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, um, but I'm just hoping for for great games today. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I, I think that... 
And I'll take one out of two. I don't need two great games. I just want one of them to come down to a fourth quarter and, and a couple key plays. And I'm okay if Alabama-Clemson win because I think that's a better title game. I just want I just want them to be pushed. I think it makes it more fun. Well, it really wasn't until last year that we saw a really good semifinal game, right? Yeah. The Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl was probably the best semifinal game we've had in this era of college football playoff. Oklahoma-Georgia, right? Yeah, Oklahoma-Georgia. <laughs> you always mix it up. Um, Oklahoma-Georgia was good. You know, uh, Ohio State-Alabama, I remember that one year when Ohio State won the title against Oregon. Their semifinal game was okay, but... Yep. You know, you hope for these good semifinal games, but for the most part, everybody's just kind of waiting for the title game. And, like, one of the worst ones I think that you you look back on and that you say, oh, crap, I hope that doesn't happen, was Alabama-Michigan State. <laughs> yep. And it was terrible because even before that, you had a Big Ten title game that was Michigan State-Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know that Michigan State and held Iowa, on to the ball for yep. six yep. minutes in the fourth quarter to end the game. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I, Iowa, Iowa, Alabama would have been just oh. as bad too. That was the thing is it was like, oh god, whoever wins this game is going to get just. Well, you didn't know they were playing Alabama, but you, you kind of supposed it, and it just did not set up well. The way that game was played was just about as dull as they get. Well, so now we kind of look to the whole legacy part of this, right? So if Nick Saban wins and then he goes on to win a national title again, um, you know, then you start having the conversation of. Greatest coach of all time. Christ. Oh, you don't like that conversation, do you? Now, is Nick Saban good? Yes, <laughs> yes maybe <he's> no. <laughs> he's obviously good. Um, I, I would, I'm more interested in the Dabo Sweeney talk and it, where does he sit on the list? Because what he's done at Clemson is pretty insane. I mean, I yes, know that the I eight, mean, what, two national titles if he wins this one. That's yeah, it. that's what I'm, that's it. <laughs> that's so, well, he, it. Doesn't, he doesn't put himself above Urban Meyer. But that, that, I guess that's my question because I think, I think Nick Saban has kind of already achieved something that is so remarkable. The fact that Dabo Sweeney's two championships come in the Nick Saban era I think is impressive, right? I mean, you have to look at, like, who, who was, who was the, the top of the mountain when Urban Meyer won back-to-back championships with Florida? Who, was, uh, who else was up there? Yeah. Well, he had Ohio State, Oklahoma one year. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there was there was nothing like what Saban has done. Where man, that team just doesn't lose. I mean, they're in the national title game every year, and the fact that Clemson will play them three out of four years in the national title, and to go, I mean, they got close with Kelly Bryant at quarterback, and then he made the decision early in the season. Going, oh, sorry, I've got a freshman kid. I mean, that's a tough decision to make. I mean, even Nick Saban hemmed and hawed over what he was going to do the entire offseason. They brought in a freshman after four games. They yeah, went, all right, we're making yeah. the switch. Saban didn't hem and haw. I mean, he I knew think, what he was going to do, but he, yeah. he he certainly played, you know. I think he played it close to the cuff. Everybody yeah. knew what he was doing was that, hey, I just don't want Jalen Hurts to go to another team. At- Which I think is weak sauce. And, and, and Dabo Sweeney didn't do that. He just went, all right, Kelly Bryant, you go play for whoever you want. I'll give you a red shirt. Go have a go have a fifth year. Play me. See how you do. Play against my defensive line. And they're they're putting a lot of guys into the NFL at Clemson too. So I don't know if there's somebody else out there in college football that's gonna, you know, figure out that recipe and make themselves relevant. I mean, I hope it's somebody in the Pac twelve and you know, having a top five recruiting class is one step in that direction. Mario Cristobal, you know, coached under Nick Saban. So you wonder if you can create a West Coast version. I'm okay if it's Oregon. I mean, I know Oregon fans can be a little unbearable, but... Whoa. What? Hold on a second. What? 
They're not unbearable. Can Luke, be. This is. Did I say home. are. I said can. Luke, this is the home be. of the Oregon Ducks. Listen, the reason I say that is wait till I become an Oregon fan. Wait till Mario Cristobal takes them to a national power, and I become a Ducks fan. I will be unbearable. I promise you that. Do you think? And my brother is pretty unbearable. How bad do you think it would have been if the Cougs made the playoff and played Alabama in the first round? It'd been bad. I mean, they would. They would have been five five three zero five. What do you think the point spread is? <laughs> Twenty eight. Really? You think it would be that bad? I mean, Alabama, I don't think, has ever seen anything like the run and shoot. Either they haven't seen something so well executed as Washington State's run and shoot offense. You'd have that advantage. but I How mean, much How much did they win the Apple Cup by? <laughs> to, to, you know what I mean? To get there. I mean, I, I, I have the benefit of just watching Iowa State. I have the benefit of knowing what they did. I, I realize it was a snow game. It was probably the first time Gardner Minshew ever played in snow. And if you're if there's one thing you can't necessarily replicate and go out and play, and the kids from Mississippi played at East Carolina, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it certainly looked like that offense was shut down by weather and a very good defense. But knowing what I know now, I would put it at 28 or more. It, but had they won the Apple Cup convincingly, and they go down there, I don't know, maybe 21. They're a 14 point favorite against Oklahoma. Well, the and other- Oklahoma's got the Heisman Trophy winner, and they have the number one scoring offense in college football, and they're they're a fourteen point underdog. Well, so the flip side on that question is, would you know what what would be the most satisfying? And you got to take your bias out of it, right? Because Washington did make it to the college football playoff, and they did play Alabama, and it wasn't a complete blowout, but it was kind of a demoralizing game because it set. Washington at a certain level and it set them back to say, look, you're really not that good. You guys are right here. Now, would you have rather had that result or have the Cougs getting into the playoff and the excitement is insane because holy crap, we were, we were just terrible for a decade and a half and now we're here, but then we got blown out. Well, this is a different offense than uh, the Alabama offense played against Washington. Yes. So that's, that's the big difference. By a lot. I mean, this Alabama. This is. I mean, this is something we haven't seen in the Nick Saban era. Where I mean, AJ McCarron. I mean, talk about your your game control quarterback, right? Just go out there and control the clock and do whatever you do. Jalen Hurts was a run first quarterback. It felt like most of the time you didn't need him to throw the ball. So you get a two touchdown lead and then you just you know run the rock. I mean, pretty simple. But now they're going out and going, hey, we can we can score on every play. The the funny thing about you know my my immersion into some of the statistics on here. Alabama is the second leading scoring offense, and they rank like something 86th in red zone uh, scoring. They don't score from the red zone. They score from the 35. They score from midfield. I mean, this is a big play offense, and you have that plus the the NFL players all over the field on both lines, the whole defense. I mean, it just makes them so difficult to play. And I know that Mike Leach has made a lot with these three-star kids that they get, but just from a talent standpoint, that would be really rough because Oklahoma gets some guys and they still are a 14 point underdog. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. All right. It's time for good versus evil. Everybody's favorite segment, except for the listeners. We will do that next. You're listening to the center and the saint on 1080 the fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the, What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. 
Every game that we've ever played has always been the same and that we're trying to give everything we have to get uh, the kind of performance that gives us a chance to be as good as we can possibly be. I had never backed off that and we're not starting now. That was old man in the hot tub that demands you shower before getting in, Pete Carroll. He's stammering about the new contract extension that should keep old Pete in Seattle through the 2021 season. NFL Network reports the deal is worth $11 million a year, making him one of the most wealthy coaches in the league. Russell Wilson's dad is the oldest coach in the NFL, clocking in at 67 years young with two NFC championships and a Super Bowl under his belt. Do you think Pete Carroll has any more to prove in the NFL? Or is there some time after 2021 where he might go to college? Oh, I don't think he goes back to college. I think he probably retires as a Seahawks head coach. Does he have more to prove? No, I don't, I don't think he really does. I think he has more that he wants to accomplish, but I think he probably ends up being a borderline Hall of Fame coach if he it ends his career today. I mean, this season, I think, might be his most remarkable because this was supposed to be a rebuild, right? If he goes back and puts together another run like they had the last five years, or I'm sorry, the five years before last season where they missed the playoffs for the first time. That five-year run was pretty incredible from Russell Wilson's rookie year where they nearly had that comeback against the Falcons to get to the NFC Championship game that year. Back-to-back Super Bowls doesn't happen all that often in the NFL. Um, it's been pretty incredible. And, you know, as, as a Seahawks fan, um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased. But I think if people look at what he did in the NFL, and he had a long NFL career before he went to USC, I think he ends up being a Hall of Famer. Well, not only that, but he's a football Hall of Famer. Like, the well, guy that, had success sure. in SC and in yeah. the NFL. I mean, he's, you know, one of the best crossover artists you could think of. Him and Jimmy Johnson, I would consider in the same sentence. Well, and I, I don't know this to be uh, 100% certain, but I think he's really well-liked as well as well-respected by uh, all of his peers. It doesn't seem like he has any issues with anybody else. I think a lot of people admire uh, what he's been able to do. And he, at 67, he is the oldest head coach in football, but looks like he's uh, still a kid. Runs up and down the sideline, looks like he's having fun. So I don't see him leaving anytime soon, but I don't, th- I don't think he'll coach after Seattle. You have the mindset that you're going to be without LeBron for several games. Uh, without him for tonight. And then, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wait to hear back more from him. That was trophy husband whose crowning achievement was snagging a hot wife and remodeling his old basement to a sweet man cave where he watches football while the pool guy stoinks said hot wife, Luke Walton. Okay. The Lakers head coach is speaking about the problematic injury to all-star forward LeBron James. LBJ suffered a significant left groin strain during LA's Christmas Day win over the Golden State Warriors. Team officials now say the King could miss several games due to the strain. Add to this, Rajon Rondo is supposed to be out for a couple of weeks as well. Does LA stand a chance to make the playoffs this season, even if LeBron comes back, say, after a month? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I... (laughs) I, I still go back and forth on whether or not the West is incredibly deep or you have a bunch of average teams. I mean, I know the Warriors have come back to the pack a little bit, so it makes you think that everybody has raised their game, but I think there's something wrong with the Warriors right now. Um, Denver is right now, you know, the top seed in the West. I mean, they'll a make great, the playoffs. Is that a great team? Yeah, that's what I mean. If yeah. you get 
if you get LeBron back and he decides to make a push, all they have to do is get into the tournament and he goes into beast mode and it turns into something else. I think the, the smartest thing to do is, you know, just wait till he's ready to come back. And if you're two games out of the playoff race, uh, I feel like they still get in if they have a month, month and a half left in the season. So take all the time you need, be healthy, go into LeBron mode, and we'll see you in the playoffs. Homie. I mean, what? In the Western Conference, you probably have to win 50 games to get a substantial playoff standing. Yeah, but he doesn't need one of those either. You're going to have to play everybody anyways. Yikes. All right, this next story actually does not have audio, but let's revisit that crazy idea to bring a baseball team to Portland, Oregon. A letter of intent between Portland Diamond Project and the Port of Portland says the group will pay the port, if there's enough P's in that sentence, up to $1.5 million over the next two years while they negotiate the development of Portland's Terminal 2 property, where the proposed stadium is supposed to be. The group would also pay nearly a $1 million a year while the site is being developed. That means they will be paying while making no money on ticket sales or advertising revenue. Does this news worry you that baseball to Portland might not come true? Uh, no, it doesn't, because I think the, the plan to make money isn't ticket sales and team revenue. It's all of the infrastructure that they're going to build around the stadium site, the affordable housing, the shopping, the restaurants. Um, that's a pretty cool spot if you're going to start to grow the, the housing space in, in downtown Portland. Being right on the river, having a really cool spot. I just think these guys have everything lined up pretty well, um, especially when I look at Oakland and the way that they're putting together their plans to build a new stadium. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just you mean think, for the fifth time? No, for the 12th <laughs> time. 12th time. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. The, yeah, so I have, I have no faith in a team like the A's. I feel like Portland is way ahead of any other uh, city as far as an expansion destination. Montreal had some momentum going, but they had a switch in government, and they don't have the support of uh, their mayor. So it makes it really bad. This is not a, a political effort. This is a private effort uh, to get this team uh, to Portland, and I think that they'll, they'll win out in the end. Yeah, thank God Ted Wheeler's not involved. Well, yeah, exactly. He's kind of a bystander. Get that guy out of office. <laughs> the mayor. All right, time for my favorite story of the week, and this one comes from New Zealand. I've heard of it. Could you point... Are they making another Lord of the Rings? Could you point New Zealand out on a map? Yes. It's northwest, northeast of uh, Australia. Kind of a long island. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was northwest. Northeast. I'll pull up a map. <laughs> a man using a match in an attempt to find a gas leak has been seriously injured after causing a boat explosion near the Isle of Haruki Gulf. The incident has prompted the Coast Guard to remind boaties to safely check their gas supplies and apply common sense. So, again, headline, man burned in boat explosion after checking gas leak with a match. Jeez. The ultimate in... <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to call this irony, but, like, a catch-22, I guess. Idiotic. Yeah. That's what you get. Coast Guard received an alert to its operations center about a gas explosion uh, aboard a boat near Ocean Beach, Mosili Island, uh, 3 p.m. That was this week. The man was in his 60s and was seriously injured with burns to his face and hands, trying to trace a gas leak with a naked flame. Yikes. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the comparative to that? Uh, honestly, I do not know what the compare. I mean... It's kind of, I mean, it's, it's just, that's, so, that's like the perfect one. It's like, it's like, uh, like, is it raining selling your car for gas money? I guess was the one, you know, yeah, or like you're an albino and you're like, Hey, is it sunny out? Let me go out and check. Yeah, I guess so. 
yeah, no, I was. Uh, I'm, Hello. I, I'm not very good at looking at a map either. I'm trying to find uh, New Zealand on here. I have no idea where that's at. You can't find New Zealand on South, a map. Southeast. Are you okay? Southeast of Australia. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> no, no, but we were both wrong. You oh. said northwest and southeast. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was doing there. Um, he smelt gas and confirmed that there was gas by lighting a match, which is very tar- tried and true method of finding gas. Unfortunately, it's not a very good method because the, <laughs> the flame will cause the gas to ignite. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, is it raining out? I can't get any rain on my hair. I'll just go out and check. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Is this poison here? It will kill me. Just hold on a second. Well, let, let me put it, it on quick, some let me, food let real quick. Let me give it a quick taste and yeah. see if this is poison. Yeah, that's pretty uh, moronic. Uh, almost as bad as we have no idea where New Zealand was. I started Northwest. I don't think that's that bad. Eh. If we couldn't point New Zealand out on a map. I'm pretty disappointed in myself. Well, whatever. Who cares? We're in the Pacific Northwest. That's a good point. We don't need to know that stuff. That's a good point. I don't uh, need education. How would you do, like, if we took a map of Europe or Asia and you had to, like, just put out, pick out the countries? Oh. What no. continent would you do best on? Like, this, so, so this you, one. Well, thank you. <laughs> Moron. <laughs> if I gave you South America, Africa, Europe, and Asia, what country do you think you could get 20% accuracy Well, on? you mean what continent? Continent could you get, yeah. Um, the country's 20% accurate. If you gave me Western Europe, I think I could more. I think I could more than twenty percent. In fact, I think yeah, I could I give, more I'm than half. Yeah, but I'm giving you all it. of Europe, so you have to fill in the eastern countries. All the all of Europe. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I, I mean, think I could get half because I I think I'm pretty. I I could know Western Europe pretty well, and Eastern Europe. There's parts to it that I know. Where's Croatia? Well, it's east. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot of Slavic countries out there that I'm just gonna kind of whiff on. The tough one will be Russia. <laughs> I think that one might be easy, actually. Really? Yeah, where Russia is. Uh, that's where all those bears and forests are. <laughs> yeah, you can see right there, most of it's ice, the picture. But, you know, my uh, my fiance, she's from uh, Wales, and she said that when she moved to the United States, she thought it was really weird that there were so many states here. There's 50 of them. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, to her, though, you know, when you're in Europe, everything's made up of, you know, countries, like cluster countries. Like one oh, yeah. minute you could be in Wales and the next you could be in the UK or, you know, if you go to France, yeah. you know, you can just kind of hop around. And she was like, but you're just one massive country with a bunch of just states. And every state, it seems to be really rapidly different. It's odd. I was like, yeah, well, it's yeah. the U.S. Well, Take th- it or leave it. Don't you think the same thing about Europe? You're like, there's so many countries there. I guess. I mean, our continent has, what, three? Yeah. I mean, if you don't count Central America. So, yeah. Isn't Greenland a continent? No, I don't think it's a continent. Oh. So I think it's part of North America. Does that sound right? Well, anyway. There's our world <laughs> geography lesson, and uh, I will remind everybody, if you smell a gas leak, don't light a match to investigate <laughs> and be a total moron. Uh, we're stupid, but we're not that stupid. No. That's your good versus evil. Uh, brought to you by 808, the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants at 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. We'll look at the top and the bottom of the NFL in hour two. We'll get back into the college football playoff a little bit, get you the preview, and we will tell you what to watch. All of that in hour two of the Center and the Saint right here at 1080 The Fan.